0: box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. A reminder, as you are making your travel plans, remember com. JohnnyDollarAir.com is a Priceline affiliate link, so part of your purchase goes to support the great detectives of old-time radio at no additional cost to you. So remember, when making your travel plans, check JohnnyDollarAir.com first. Now it's time for the conclusion of the Lamar Matter. This is Episodes three. 4, and 5, and the original air dates March 28th, 29th, and 30th, 1956. Let's go ahead and take a listen.
1: From
2: Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Diller.
3: Johnny, this is Vonnie. Oh, yes? Please, come out here to the house, right away. Is something wrong? Johnny, I... You said you came back here to South Bend to... Well, because you didn't want me to have to be alone to face the death of my father. Yes, dear, I... Johnny, you also said you have business here.
2: Well, yes.
3: Is it... Is it connected with my father's death? Vonnie... Please, dear, don't lie to me. He was insured for over a million dollars. Or do you know that?
2: I... Listen...
3: Was this business of yours connected with Daddy? Was it because you, too, think he was murdered? Johnny...
2: I'll I'll come out and see you.
4: Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in The Transcribed Adventures of the Man with the Action-Packed Expense Account, America's Fabulous Freelance Insurance Investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. To the Home Office, Universal Adjustment Bureau, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Lamar matter. The question, was it murder? The beautiful girl, Vonnie Lamar, and the beautiful romance I found during my so-called vacation at La Jolla, California. Well, things really got into a bind when she received news that her foster father back in South Bend, Indiana, had suddenly died. And I received word that I was assigned to the case, not only because of the million-and-a-half policy on Lamar's life, but because it looked as though it might be nothing more nor less than murder. From La Jolla, California to South Bend, Indiana, was only a quick flight by plane, and the first person I contacted was Lawrence Comstock of Tri Mutual Chicago office, who'd issued the policies on Lamar's life.
5: Yes, Johnny, the only two real friends Thomas Lamar had these past few years since his wife died were Dr. Ed Wilson and myself.
2: And Wilson is the man you called in when
5: Lamar died? Yes. You see, Tom and I used to spend a lot of time together. Weekend golf, to the same clubs, that sort of thing. We used to love playing two-handed pinochle together. Uh Uh-huh. Go on. I was with him at his house the night he died. And so unexpectedly, Johnny, as I told you, he'd had a most thorough physical examination only a few months before. Or I'd never have permitted him to increase his insurance to a million and a half. Must have cost him a fancy premium. It did. It did. Prohibitive. But that was the way he wanted it. For his adopted daughter, for Vani, whom you know. And if you're half a man having spent a few days with her in La Jolla, you're in love. Oh, shut up and tell me what you know, will you? You said murder. Oh, yes, I'm sorry, Johnny. It began last weekend. As I often do, I spent the weekend with Tom, Thomas Lamar. Well, Friday night, Dr. Ed Wilson was with us. We played three-handed pinochle. Yes, yes. Tom was in perfect health. I know he was. And our evening was all fun, completely uninterrupted. Except by young Marson. Marson? Tom's
2: confidential secretary. And he's the one. Larry, you are the one who told Pat McCracken back in Hartford that you thought Thomas Lamar was murdered. That's why you wanted me to come on out here to investigate the case. Yes, yes. All right, now tell me the truth. Is it because of your great friendship for Lamar? Because of the million-and-a-half policy through your company? Or because you really think he was murdered?
5: Are you here because of the commission you can earn on a case as big as this? Or because Thomas Lamar happened to be the father of Vonnie Lamar? I was ordered on this case from Hartford. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, of course. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, maybe I'm a silly old fuddy-duddy. Maybe I'm more worked up over this case than you are, whatever the reason. But let me tell you this thing in my own way. <sighs> Go on, Larry. Well, we know, Ed Wilson and I, I, because of being so close to Tom Lamar so long, Ed, because of his medical knowledge, we know that Tom was in perfect health. His 59 years were nothing for a specimen like him. Ed left Friday night. I stayed on. Saturday, we played nine holes of golf. Tom wanted to play 18, but I didn't feel up to it. And that night, we played Pinochle, just the two of us. And we got to bed early. Well, Sunday, we just sat around and talked until evening when we played cards again. There was no strain, Johnny, even if the man had had a bad heart or something. I understand. Now, what about this Marson you named? We quit shortly before midnight. I was tired my years, no doubt. And I knew Tom would have a hard day at the plan on Monday. And so I suggested that we get to bed, He smiled, uh, as only Tom could smile. A warm, tolerant, yet at the same time understanding and friendly, completely friendly smile. Go on, go on. And he said he'd probably have to take one of Ed Wilson's sleeping pills to doze off so early. (laughs) But I knew, Johnny. You knew what? Sugar pills. That's all Ed had ever given him, sugar pills. I think Tom knew it, too. Well? I went up to my room, Tom to his... I heard the water running in his bathroom. About the same time, I was brushing my teeth. And then the crash.
2: Crash? Yes.
5: I ran out through the hall to his room. He was lying on the floor of the bath. Broken tumbler beside him. He'd left bottled of sugar pills still open. He'd taken one of them? Yes. And he was dead.
2: You... you mean you no, think... No,
5: no. I called Ed Wilson. He was there in only minutes. It was he who officially said that Tom was dead. Had died instantaneously. And he was sure it was poison. Peculiar color of the lips or something. What do you mean? Was some terrible stimulant to the heart. A very rare drug that only a few researchers would know about. Even the heart of a young and healthy boy would find the influence of this drug too much, too strong.
2: Dr. Wilson
5: told you this? Yes. What is this drug? I don't know. Something very rare. But he is sure that's what did it. Well, what did the police say? You called them in, didn't you? It did. They'd never heard of it either, the drug... But they've sent samples of the sugar pills to Chicago and to Washington for analysis. Well? We should hear from them shortly. Where is this Dr.
1: Edwilson? Oh, here. I'll, I'll just write you his address.
2: Good, thanks. All right now, Larry. Yes? You told me earlier there was one man you thought might be responsible for this. Who? Walter Marson. Who's Walter Marson? Walter has been Thomas Lamar's personal private
5: secretary for some years. Go on. And Walter has been married to LaVonne for over a year. Oh, I'm sorry, Johnny, because I, I know how you
2: feel about her. Well, why should that make him want to murder Vonnie's father? Because of Thomas's will.
5: Tom made a will, Johnny, that left virtually everything he owned to the corporation of which he was the head except for his life insurance.
2: Is that why the amount of his insurance was so big? I suppose
5: so. The sole beneficiary of the policy, as you know, is Vonnie. Oh, yeah, well, go on, go Therefore, on. the only way in which anyone else could share in the estate is by being married to her.
2: All right, all right. You've knocked down a couple of dream castles for me. And I'm not talking about a family fortune. I'm talking about a girl. Yes, John, I understand. If she loved him enough to marry him, let him be happy. If he shares some of that million and a half bucks, let him share it. He deserves to, if she wants him to. He married her, she married him, all right. It isn't as easy as that. What do you mean? You've forgotten you wanted to know why I
5: think Walter Marson murdered Thomas Lamar. Yes. Yes, you see, I happen to know Vonnie did not love Walter. You just said she married him. Unknown to her foster father. What are you getting at? Somewhere, somewhere along the line, Walter Marson, shall we say... Got something on Bonnie. What it was, I don't know. But he had a strange power over her, it seemed. Larry, what are you talking about? I don't know, Johnny. From the time Walter first started working for Thomas Lamar, I, well, I didn't trust him. And yet Tom seemed to have the most implicit faith in him. Walter was a good accountant, yes. Handled many of Tom's personal investments. And handled them very well, too. Thomas paid him very well. Rewarded him, always. When he made unusual profits. Why not? But Walter Marson made it plain from the beginning that he wanted to work his way into Thomas's shoes in the corporation, and this Thomas would not have. And the reason? Because Thomas knew that many of the stock deals Walter had made in his behalf were not completely, shall we say, legitimate, or legally proper, perhaps, but not morally so, that is. Corporation money instead of his own, right? Yeah, dad. that's it. Buying huge blocks in order to inflate the price and then dumping the stocks at their peak, that sort of thing. I don't know much of the details. That's out of my line. But Thomas knew very well that if Walter Marson were ever put into the corporation, he'd use the same slick methods for purely personal gain. At the expense of the corporation he'd spent his life building up. How do you know about this? I was Thomas's
2: confidant, his closest friend. All right, Larry. Let me do a little summing up. Walter Marson failed to dig into Lamar's money via the corporation. So he married his daughter to be sure of latching on to the family fortune. And that's it. Yes, it's as simple as that. Therefore, you're sure this Marson poisoned Lamar. Yes, and because of the findings of Dr. Ed Wilson. Which haven't yet been verified. Well, no. And even if you do find proof that Lamar was poisoned, you have no proof that Marson was back of it. Mm, No. Larry, what if Vonnie had something to do with it? Oh, no. Oh, yes, yes. That's a real possibility,
5: isn't Good it? Good heavens, Johnny, you can't mean that. You, you say you know the girl. Yeah, sure.
2: And I fell for her like a ton of bricks. Whether it's simply because I'm a sucker for such a charmer or just because she charmed me so well, I don't know. But why did she want me if she's already married? Johnny, what are you getting at? A million dollars at stake. a half. A million and a half. How she could possibly have known I'd be staying at the La, La Center in La Jolla, California, I don't know. But with a million and a half at stake, you could find out most anything. So she worked on me, got me on her side, even before she needed to. And when her father died, according to plan, she knew there'd be no question of settlement of a claim for the insurance because of the way she'd so successfully drawn me into a cozy little noose. Johnny, you're out of your mind. Am I? What are you talking about, you old...
5: <sighs> yeah, I guess I am. John, I've been a confirmed bachelor all my life, even before I was your age. But I know very well that if I'd ever met Vonnie Lamar, my bachelor days would have suddenly ended. Oh, you're hurt. Now that you've found out she's married, you're hurt and you're angry. You're striking out at anything you can reach, anyone. And I'm sorry. Don't let it take away your judgment.
2: My... I'm sorry too, Larry. I—I I didn't mean to. I really didn't.
5: It's all right, Johnny. But now get hold of yourself. You have a job to do—not only for me, for the company, but for yourself.
2: Okay, Larry. Thanks. Good boy. I—I uh, I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I guess whatever it is, I—I I better start doing it. Yes. Good luck, Johnny. Johnny Dollar. Dr.
6: Edward Wilson, Mr.
2: Dollar. Oh, hello, doctor. Mr. Comstock of Tri-Mutual Insurance asked me to call you. Regarding the death of Thomas Rene Lamar.
6: Yes. I've just left the police department, the chief autopsy surgeon. Yes? There's no question about it. Thomas Lamar was poisoned.
2: I... I see. I'd like to talk to you, doctor. I understand you were one of Mr. Lamar's closest friends. Yes. And one of the beneficiaries of his will. That's quite... Where did you learn that? I didn't. It was a shot in the dark. No. Better stick close to your office, Doctor. I'm on my way over to see you. (laughs) (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. To the Home Office, Universal Adjustment Bureau, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Lamar matter. Now proven to be murder. Murder. As the facts of this case lined up, it appeared that Thomas Rene Lamar, wealthy manufacturer of aircraft components, had only two really good friends, Lawrence Comstock, who had issued him a million and a half worth of life insurance policies, and Dr. Edward T. Wilson, and a wonderful, lovely, charming adopted daughter, Le whom I'd met during my brief vacation in La Jolla, California, whom I'd accompanied back here to South Bend, Indiana, when she received word of her father's sudden death. What little evidence I'd been able to pick up seemed to point to one Walter Marson, Lamar's personal secretary. Unknown to Lamar, he had married, Bonnie, therefore stood to benefit from his death. Oh, I kid about it. I'd fallen for the girl heavily. And when I found out that she was already married to a slick, smart promoter, well, let's keep personalities out of this case, especially mine. I'd told Bonnie that I'd come up and see her out at the family mansion but I thought I'd better contact Dr. Wilson first.
6: Come in. Come in, Mr. Dollar. I've heard a great deal about you from Lawrence Comstock. Please, sit down. Thanks, Doctor. You said something over the phone that's bothered me. I won't mince words.
2: Apparently, you and Larry Comstock were Thomas Lamar's closest friend. I don't think there's any question about it, my boy. And I'm sure Lawrence will verify that. He already has. That's why I took a shot in the dark and suggested that you're a beneficiary of Lamar's will, not his insurance. I already know that his daughter, Vonnie, gets that, but his will. Well, does that shock you? I suppose Larry's a beneficiary, too. Yes. Then either one of you might conceivably have had a motive for bringing about his death. What?
6: Now, just a minute, young man. Relax,
2: Doctor. Relax. I make no bones about it. This is the roughest case I ever tried to handle. Unfortunately, I started out by getting myself emotionally involved with Bonnie Lamar. Uh, go
6: ahead and laugh if you want to. Hardly. She's a very wonderful girl. A bit mixed up at times, perhaps, because of... Well, because of what? Are you aware that unknown to her father, Vonnie was married? He is married? Yes, to some Walter Marson, Larry Comstock told me. Marson was Thomas Lamar's personal secretary... Did Lawrence tell you why she married him? I don't think he knows. It was a few short months after Thomas Lamar's wife died. A terrible blow both to Vonnie, who was completely devoted to her foster mother, and to him. By way of quenching his sorrow, Thomas drove himself in his work... ...16, 18 hours a day at the plant. All his waking hours. So that he would have time to think of nothing but his work. But Vonnie had no such outlet for her emotions. Her friends, a lot of rich 'er ne'er-do-wells, rich, worthless bums, if you like got her interested in gambling. Oh. She plunged into it with a recklessness and abandon that quickly got her into debt so deeply, and you know, there was only one way out. Her father didn't know? No, but young Marson did, and he took full advantage of it. In return for her agreement to marry him, he promised to quietly obtain the necessary funds from Thomas Lamar's investments, which she, Marson, handled, and he did. And she married him? yes. How could she? She didn't love him. And you must realize her emotional state at that time. She was terribly upset over the recent death of her mother, and so was her father, of course. She knew the shock it would be if he ever knew of her gambling and the tremendous debt she'd incurred, she was beside herself, ready to do anything. So she married Marston. I could kill him. Now, let's get one thing straight, Mr. Dollar. Yes? You, too, were a bit upset when you came in here. You spoke as though you might think both Lawrence Comstock and I... could have motive for wanting Thomas' death. I'm sorry, Doctor. I... It's true that we are beneficiaries of his will... at least Thomas assured us we were... but only in a very minor way. Thomas was loyal to us as he was to the servants... who have been so devoted to him for so long. And whatever little he has left us and them... I'm sorry, Doctor. I...
2: Oh, I, I guess I was just feeling hurt and angry... and taking it out on anyone I could find... At least that's the way Larry Comstock put it. And he was right.
6: Now I got a job to do. What did the police find out? Only enough to back up my immediate suspicion that Thomas was poisoned by Pirate Pyridamron? Yes, it's a little-known drug that produces tremendous but only momentary stimulation to the heart. Causes the heart to almost literally burst. And it leaves virtually no traceable residue in the system. But you said the chief autopsy surgeon found out... Oh no, no, no. He found only positive indication that pyridameran had been used. I found the first clue to it only minutes after Thomas died. A staining of the tongue that even then was rapidly disappearing. Can you tie this drug in with Walter Marson? No. And the fact that it was available at all has stumped both the police and myself. The last known source was a small island off the coast of Greece oh, many, many years ago... And all the tiny plants from which it could be obtained as pollen were burned by the Greek government. But somebody, somewhere, must have had some seeds, planted them, and obtained this pollen. Yes. How do you suppose Mr. Lamar took the stuff? Well, it could have been mixed with one of the medicines in the cabinet in his bathroom, but we found no traces. Uh Larry Comstock said you used to give him harmless sugar pills as a kind of sedative. Yes, Thomas knew they were perfectly harmless, but he occasionally took them anyway. (laughs) It was a kind of joke. Could this uh, pirate stuff have been mixed with them? We found no trace in the bottle. But you would have been able to. Yes. It is only in assimilation by the human body that dissipation is so complete as to make it virtually undetectable. Uh, I'm afraid I haven't been of much help to you, Mr. Dollar.
2: I think you have, Doctor. I think you have. was only a hunch. But in this business, you sometimes have to depend as much on hunches as on common sense. I picked out the library nearest to the Lamar residence to do my research. Pyra
7: You're sure that is the word?
2: Yes. Can't you find anything on the subject?
7: Nothing beyond what you found in the Pharmacopeia Index. The name of the plant from which it is derived. Blefara purpuris Calandus. No common name.
2: Yeah, no... Well, thanks.
7: Of course, the main branch of the city library in Chicago might have something.
2: Sure, thanks.
7: Why, yes, yes, I'm sure I can find what you're looking for. You see, I myself am quite a student of rare drugs and poisons.
2: Oh, what's that?
7: After a long, dull day here at the library, I enjoy nothing more than curling up in a big chair in my little apartment and reading detective fiction.
2: Oh. Well, uh, where's the book? I'll
7: show you. Uh, but quietly, please. We must maintain the proper atmosphere for our readers. Uh, sure. Yes, I know the poison pyrodameron very well. It was used in that wonderful story, The Case of the Yellow-Lipped Monster. Oh, excellent book. Thrilling. Oh, you should read it. Yeah, well... Uh... was new to me, so as usual, I had to find out all about it, and I did find Shh. out too. The plant it's derived from, where it's grown, uh, where it was grown. You see, it's been extinct now for many years. Yeah, I understand. Now. Deadly thing, terribly deadly. But now here is the book that will tell you all about it. The title is Flora Exotica Mediterranea. That means Exotic Flowers of the Mediterranean. Uh, Flora Exotica
3: Mediterranean.
1: Hmm. What's the matter?
7: I don't. Oh, good heavens, it isn't here. Are you sure? But it was. I'm sure it was only yesterday. Oh, dear. Well, here, do you see? It was taken out from right
2: here. Well, who took it out? I don't know. Won't your records show?
7: No, I never permit any books to be taken from this section without my knowledge. But never. Afraid somebody'd consult the stuff for ulterior motives? Oh, oh, dear, no. It's just that the only ones who want these books are the rabid
2: whodunit fans like myself. And, uh, well, I like to talk to them. Well, isn't there some other book that might give me the information I want? Oh,
7: not another book in the world. I know. And now, oh, tragedy. It's been stolen. <laughs>
2: Well, this was one time a hunch didn't pay off. Quite the contrary. I'd wasted a lot of time. Expense account item 9, 520. Taxi out to the Lamar mansion. I was almost relieved to learn that Vonnie was not home.
4: I'm very sorry, sir, but she and Mr. Marson left shortly afternoon to make the funeral arrangements. Thank you, Harrison. However, as you know, Miss Vonnie wished you to have full access to the house, and if you care to wait...
2: How is she holding up, Harrison?
4: Most admirably, Mr. Dollar, under the circumstances... Uh, Mr. Lamar's passing has been a terrible thing for her, for all of us. Yes, yeah, sure, of course. What will happen to the house, I don't know.
2: Won't Miss Lamar continue to live
4: in it? This morning she said no, that she'd travel for a while, and then settle down somewhere else far away from this city. Oh. And what about you, the servants? Oh, we shall, of course, have to seek
2: employment elsewhere. Say, tell me, Harrison, didn't Mr. Lamar provide for you in his will?
4: I do not know, sir, and I do not particularly care. His kindness and loyalty to us during his lifetime was far more important than any provision he may have made for us.
2: Well, I guess that takes you off the list.
4: Uh, Beg pardon?
2: Nothing. So tell me, has Walter Marson been around much since Mr. Lamar's death? Yes, he's been most attentive to Miss Lamar, which we've all appreciated. He lives here in the house, you know. No, I didn't know. Harrison, I'd like to see his room. Sir? I'm going to lay my cards right on the table. I'm an insurance investigator. Here. My card. Why,
4: I... oh, I see. Miss Bonnie hadn't so informed me.
2: because she didn't know. Well, sir, I... now show me to Marson's room. Uh,
4: yes, yes, uh, this way, please. Do you like Walter Marson? Yes, sir, very much. Now, what does that mean? I've never spoken of this to anyone else, Mister Dollar. For years, Walter Marson was a clever, scheming, conniving young man with overpowering ambition to take over the Lamar Corporation. So I've heard. I'm convinced that at one time he even tried to marry Miss Lamar... and solely for the purpose of forcing his way into the business. Just trying to... Well, yes, sir. However, in the past year or two, Mr. Marson has changed completely. What makes you think so? Because of conversations between him and Mr. Lamar... that I could not avoid overhearing from time to time. Mr. Lamar knew what Marson was attempting and faced him with his knowledge of it. Uh, here is his room... Go on. Uh, Mr. Lamarck would have made it very difficult for him in view of his record. Prison record? Uh, yes, sir, for embezzlement. But instead, he gave the young man another chance. So? come on. And Mr. Marson made the most of it. He changed completely. I say without reservation, sir, that Mr. Marson is as honorable a young man as I know.
2: Pretty sure of that, aren't you?
4: Yes, sir. A butler living as close to them for both for so long can invariably. Pardon me, sir, but... Does something give you the reason to think I'm mistaken?
2: No, no. Unless perhaps it's this book I just found lying on his desk. Book, sir? Flora Exotica Mediterranean. Johnny Dollar.
5: This is Larry Comstock, Johnny, They try mutual Insurance. You're out at the Lamar
2: home. Yeah, Larry. Police crime lab find out anything more about the stuff from here they took in for examination? Yes. Yes, they certainly did. Well? They found traces of that
5: poison, pyrodamerone, on the toothbrush that Thomas Lamar was using just before he on died. On the
2: to- Are you kidding? Oh, no. No, indeed, John. Not a bit. There's a murder weapon for you. Toothbrush. Larry, send the cops out here. I think I've just about got this case sewed up. Expense accounts submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location South Bend, Indiana. To the Universal Adjustment Bureau, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is my final entry of expenses incurred during investigation of the Lamar murder. And murder it most certainly was. It was in La Jolla, California during my so-called vacation that I met, and I must admit, kind of fell for Vonnie Lamar. It was from La Jolla that I flew her back to South Bend, Indiana, when we both received news of her foster father's sudden death. All the clues I'd been able to dig up seemed to point to one Walter Marson, who had been Lamar's personal secretary and who lived at the Lamar mansion. At his room, there in the house, I found the one book in the world that described the poison, pyrodameron, that had killed Thomas Rene Lamar. Poison derived from a pretty little yellow flower, once raised on an island near Greece. The flower was sudden death in its pollen. Huh? You're
1: Johnny Dollar, aren't you? Harrison the butler said you were up here.
2: And you must be Walter Marston.
1: What, uh, what are you doing in my room? Let me ask the questions, Marston. Just a
2: Look, mister, you may as well know it. I'm an insurance investigator. So Harrison said, but I don't believe it. Right here, my credentials. Uh, oh, I, I see, but I, I thought... You thought you... I was just a boyfriend that Vonnie Lamar met in La Jolla... and who just came back here with her to comfort her over the loss of her father... Yes, yes, that's right. But you're wrong, mister, partly so. The main reason I'm here is to find out who murdered Thomas Lamar and why. And I think I've found out. You
3: have? Well,
2: well, who, Mr. Dallard? Interesting book you've been reading here. Flora Exotica Mediterranean. Stolen from the Central Library over in Chicago, wasn't it? Well, yes.
1: Yes, it was.
2: Found a poison in it, didn't you, Marston? Pirate Dameron. Deadly, quick, and hard to trace. So rare that the chances were pretty good it wouldn't even be recognized. But it was. Where'd you get it, Walter? As you said, at the library. I'm talking about the poison the pirate Dameron that killed Thomas Lamar. Oh, no, no, no. You're, you're all wrong. Am I? Who besides Vonnie would benefit from the million and a half insurance on Lamar's life? Well, what
1: makes you think that... that I know that you that I would, the way.
2: because I know you're married to Vonnie. Oh, no. You tried I've to inveigle your way into Lamar's business, but he wouldn't have it. All your chiseling and conniving and phony stock transactions got you nowhere. So you did the next thing you could think of. You got something on Vonnie and forced her to marry you. So you thought you'd at least be sure of a big hunk of the insurance money over my dead debt. Well, no, look,
1: darling, maybe I was yeah, married to Vonnie, sure, but... I
2: found out about her big gambling debts, got her off the hook by some fancy manipulation of her foster father's investments. No doubt threatened to tell him all about it unless she did marry you, and thereby guaranteed yourself a prosperous future. Oh, and you timed the whole thing beautifully when she was emotionally upset over the death of Mrs. Lamar. No, Dollar, you you don't know but what she you're got talking a about. Couldn't wait for him to die a natural death. Dollar! Mr. Dollar. Sure, go ahead, speak up, and make it good.
1: Well, I uh I was married to Varney, But I'm not now. Sure. That's right. I did want a place in Lamar Metal Products, and I, I thought I could get it by showing Mr. Lamar how clever I was. Well, instead of throwing me out, he gave me another chance. I'll be forever grateful to him. The turning point in my life. I give you my word, Mr. Dollar, I've done nothing since that time that's been anything but completely honest and above board. A pretty speech. No, no, it, it's true, it's, it's true, I swear
2: it. Nevertheless, you married Vonnie in the whole thing We're t-
1: divorced! you what? Well, it was the only honorable thing I could do... Would you like to see the final papers? Vonnie mailed them to me from Reno before she went to La Jolla.
2: You mean she? Yeah, let me see them. Here, my Yes. Don't try to pull a gun out of there, my You
1: still don't believe me, do you?
2: Yeah. Hmm. Then would you like to tell me who did murder Thomas Lamar?
1: I wish to heaven I knew of it. Sir. Why, I got this book, hoping to find some clue as to where the pyrodameron might have come from. But you sneaked this book out of the because library. Because I was afraid of the very kind of suspicion that you've shown Want to know something? I'm still showing And it. I tell you you're wrong. I, I, ask Vani. She'll tell you. Oh, where is she? Harrison said you two had gone out together to make arrangements for the funeral. Yes, we did, and we came back together. But when Harrison told her that you were here to see her, she... Well, she, she said she'd be back in a few minutes. Where did she go? Well, oh, she's still in the house somewhere, I, I think. Marston... Just what is your relationship with Vonnie now? No, well, there never was any love between us. Our marriage was only on paper. Yeah? The foster daughter of the man to whom I owe so much, it's my duty to do what I can for her. In spite of her... Remember what? Oh, even to the end, we, we kept from him any knowledge of her dissipations, her drinking and gambling. I thought that was all over. She's more deeply in debt now than she's ever been. I'm. I'm thankful Mr. Lamar died without knowing what well, I'll be. But with the insurance, of course, she'll be able to pay off. Marson, so. you're
2: a dirty rat, and your accusation isn't very well favored.
1: Are you trying to say that I'm accusing Vonnie of the murder? Murder? Oh. Mr. Dollar. Yeah, go on. This book. According to this, the plant from which Pirate Dameron is derived is now extinct.
2: Unless somebody, somewhere, managed to salvage some seeds that
1: were yes, then planted. Yes, exactly. Graphropurpurus uh, calendus, found only on a small Grecian island. I. I wonder if Dimitri would know. About Dimitri? That. What's this sudden switch? Who's Dimitri? He's the old gardener. He's, he's here on the estate. Come on,
2: Marston, and bring that book. Before going out to the gardener's cottage, I asked Harrison where Vonnie had gone, and he told us he only knew that she was somewhere in the grounds, that a car was still in the driveway. I phoned Larry Comstock again, but he'd left his office, presumably to come out here. And I called the man I'd talked to earlier at the library. Of course I can. As I told you before, I keep a very close check on the books in that section.
7: Uh, let me see now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, Flora Exotica Mediterranean has only been out four or five times in the past several years. Once to a Mr. Thomas... Yeah? Thomas Hanley. Oh. Uh, to a
2: Mr. Ralph Cummings, Miss LaVon Lamar, and... Uh, That's enough. Thanks. I tried not to show Marson how I felt as we walked out to the cottage of Dimitri, the old gardener.
8: Could be nothing too nice for Mr.
1: Lamar. So I always try to keep things nice. Yeah, I can see. Uh, Dimitri, Mr. Dollar's here to, to investigate the circumstances of Mr. Lamar's death. invested. Oh, yes. I hope you find who do this terrible
8: thing to such a father. Well, I want you to
2: look at this book.
8: Here. Did you ever see a flower like that? Oh, yes. Yes, yeah, where? In all country. In Greece it used to be, but no more. You never saw it in this country? No, yes. Well, which is it? Uh, I should not say, because in all countries... Against the law. I don't know why. Well, I do. Go on, Dimitri. But I keep many of my nice seeds anyway. And some of them were for this flower? Yes. Y- you don't mind? It is very pretty flower. Did you ever plant any of them? Oh, no, no, not
2: I. Somebody else?
8: She was always so nice to me. Funny, Miss Lamar. <laughs> Look, sir. She even sent me gift on her trip last week. Dimitri... Look, look. You call it toilet case. See? It have soap and toothbrush and comb. Dollar. Dollar, look, look.
2: That, that toothbrush... I am looking. The yellow stain on the bristles, the same color as the flower on this deadly plant.
1: So, so
2: pretty. She said
1: her father one of these two, huh? Oh, well darling, I'm sick.
2: You sick, woman? So crude, so corny, and so obvious it would never be noticed. And she was safely a couple of thousand miles away beyond any possible suspicion when the. Dimitri,
8: yes. did she
2: plant any of these seeds you gave her?
8: She often plant many kinds. Where? He's... Show us. In the morning, maybe. It's getting pretty dark now. Now, now, now,
2: Come on. Come on, Marcel.
8: Yeah. You, you must not tell her, I show you. She. Always keep her little garden secret. She not even think I know. She very sweet girl. Yeah, very. But now... Oh. oh, wait. Huh? She there now. Cultivating.
2: Cultivating? With a shovel? Wait I mean, we go back to your cottage and stay there. Oh, you won't. Come on, Marston. She's, she's digging. Digging. And I think I know why. Jesus.
8: Go back. Go away, both of you.
2: Stay here. I want to talk to you, Vonnie. What are you doing?
8: What I'm doing is... I... I'm burying the little garden that was mine for Daddy. Little personal things, Johnny, that I grew with my own hands for him alone. now that he's gone, this would be only one more bit of memory. Please... Leave me, Johnny, to finish. Wait, Barney. What?
2: Before you turn under that little yellow flower. Here, I'll show no, you.
7: No, Johnny, don't touch it.
2: Here, source of a poison called pyridamarin.
7: How did you know? Here,
2: look. Oh, oh. no, you don't!
7: I'll oh. kill you too! I'll kill you! Oh, nobody, no! Oh, Walter, Walter, help me! Help, help you, help you! I was, Johnny was in love with me, but I turned him down, and he, he came out yes, here. Oh, no,
5: good,
2: and... Barney.
7: I hate you! I hate you both. Everything would have been all right if you hadn't come along. I hate you. I
5: listen, Johnny.
7: Million dollars, million and a half. You and I could. Are you dirty? No, Johnny, please don't. Please.
2: Believe me, this is one case I wish I'd never seen. i sure you, the company, are all right. You won't have to pay off a million and a half in insurance. Your gain. For me, I've lost something. Faith. Faith and... Oh, I'm sick over the whole thing. Expense account, I'll let that up later. Right now, I'm going out and get roaring... Get some flowers. Some clean flowers. And just sit and look at them. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
4: here's our star to tell you about next week's exciting story.
2: Next week? Tell me, did you ever wake up from a pleasant dream to find a smoking gun in your hand and two bodies at your feet? Well, I have. Join us next week and I'll tell you about it. Yours truly,
4: Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone, who also wrote this week's story. Heard in the cast were Virginia Gregg, Lawrence Dobkin, Harry Bartell, Eric Snowden, Howard McNair, John Daner, Gene Tatum, Joseph Kearns, Paul Richards, and Jack Moyles. Musical supervision by Amerigo Marino. Be sure to join us on Monday nights, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, Roy Rowan speaking.
0: Welcome back. Well, this was a serial where Johnny's very different from his normal approach, but I think that's really related to how personally involved he was at the start of the case. Obviously, this is not something that should happen in real life, and this illustrates why. This definitely is a case that features Johnny at his most human. I appreciated Johnstone not making Johnny's suggestion that Vonnie had found out where he was staying as part of her plan. As it is, Johnny being called in on this case after she met him on vacation is kind of one of those one in a several billion sort of coincidences that do happen. But if it was actually a situation where she planned her stay in La Jolla and tried to seduce Johnny, I don't know if I would ever get done taking that thing apart. But it is something that you could reasonably think, even though it's completely irrational. So I'm so glad that that was not actually a thing that happened. In his book, The Who Is Johnny Dollar Matter, John Abbott points out that pyridamarin and the plant that it was extracted from are not actually real. Jack Johnstone made them up, and I have to give Johnstone credit because he came up with something that sounded very plausible, very realistic. And I continue to be impressed by Johnstone's world-building skills, which I think is more a modern term, but uh, Johnstone definitely had this working in the uh, mid-1950s in a way that most folks who were writing or serving as creative leads on genre radio programs just did not have. And that closing line by Johnny, it's such a great line and such a great delivery. There's so much going on there. Personal, internal conflict in the wrap-up of an expense account, but also a choice that tells you about Johnny as a character. Going and getting drunk would be understandable, but it would be a response that just kind of what reflected understandable despair and disgust. Where it ends instead was Johnny choosing to seek hope goodness, and beauty in the world, despite he'd just been through. Now, I don't know what's ahead for Johnny specifically. I don't remember, for example, what next week's story, uh, how that turns out. Hopefully not with Johnny being betrayed by a femme fatale played by Virginia Grey, but we'll see. Now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day, and I want to go ahead and thank Will. Will has been one of our Patreon supporters since February of 2019, currently supporting the podcast at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Will. And that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you download it from. We'll begin another Your Truly Johnny Dollar serial on Tuesday. But join us back here tomorrow for indictment, where... But I'm telling
3: you, Mr. McCormick, practically the last thing she said was, He's poisoning me. Just that way, just those words. He's poisoning me. Now... I suppose you want to know where I come in. Well, I mean, it's a motive. Mhm. How do you make that out? Well, her husband knew we were in love cuz she told him when she asked for the divorce. How did she come to marry him in the first place? I don't know, it's just one of those things. She come up from Tennessee to Columbia to study chemistry and he come over from India and I I guess he just plain fascinated her right off her feet and they got married. He's on some kind of research fellowship. Mhm. And how did you meet her? I met her on a plane. I was coming up from Texas and She was come back from Tennessee. We got talking and got to meet and got to walk in. That was about the story, but he knew about that because we told him. I see. And you think that's motive enough for murder, Mr. McCormick? I'm only asking you to look into... I'm afraid I'd need a little more than suspicions. With all due respect, Mr. Hatfield, I imagine you both felt a little guilty about your, well, meetings. Yes, sir. Guilty, that's true. Well, I never do things but open and above board. That's why I made her take me to see him and tell him right out. But Ellie May and I, we belong together more right than him and I ever did. Has it occurred to you that Mrs. Lalabasa might have projected her guilt feelings on her husband and made up a fantasy about his guilt to salve her own? Look here, Mr. McCaw, I don't understand this here psychological talk. I only know what Ellie May said to me. Well, people are always suspecting they're being poisoned. And how many check out? Very, very few. You see... Poisoning is a rare psychopathic type of crime, frequently charged, rarely encountered, Mr. McCormick. How many times do you get one where the man is a research chemist? How many times do you get one where the man is the last one had his hands on the medicine itself?
0: I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.